0: It's definitely all about the view. Do I need this? It's about the view. Just working? <laughs> um, so let's get a good look at something today. Um, I want to look at Romans 7 today. Actually, I want to start in Romans 6 because the last time... We left off here. And this is, there's something here that's so important and it clarifies, it clarifies an issue that it doesn't seem like most believers in Jesus see. So open the eyes of our heart, Lord. We want to see you in this. And before we get to reading, I want to, ask you something. Remember Paul the Apostle, before his conversion, he was a Pharisee. In fact, he described himself as excelling more than his peers because he was so zealous for the traditions of the fathers. He said, concerning the law, I was a Pharisee. We were the strictest law keepers of them all. And he called himself a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Yet, we're going to read here in chapter 7 where he calls himself a miserable man. He says, because I want to do right, but I can't. But yet, he was the strictest of the keepers of the law, the doers of good. All through the the, the, the history of the Jewish law, since it was given, where there was do this and don't do that, but... If you sinned, there was a way to cover for that sin with sacrifice, right? And so once a year, there was on the Day of Atonement, a sacrifice made. Every person would bring a sacrifice, the prescribed sacrifice, the correct sacrifice. They would bring that sacrifice for, their, for, their, for the atonement of their sin so that all their sins for that year could be, would be uh, forgiven, so to speak, or covered, we would say. By the blood of that animal, because of the death of that animal. In all those years, all those generations, do you think there was ever anybody that comes along on the Day of Atonement and was empty-handed, and they say, where's your sacrifice? And he says, you know what, I just don't need one this year. I kind of just did everything right. (laughs) I didn't miss it one time. So uh, you guys have a good day. (laughs) Nobody ever did that. (laughs) No matter how hard they tried, no matter how strict they were, no matter how, how, uh, how many bounds and borders they put around them to try to do the good, every single one of them found, like Paul said, I find that even though I want to do good, I can't find the power to do it, and I end up doing what I don't want to do. Every single one had to bring that sacrifice every year, no matter how hard they tried. In other words, it didn't work. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Now, in Romans chapter 6, remember where we, we, we finished up, where this wonderful thing that Paul was talking about, this wonderful revelation, if you can get it. He says, here's what we were doing. With that knowledge of good and evil, with that law of sin and death, what we were doing, he said, was we were presenting ourselves as slaves of sin, and that's why we had to obey it, even though we didn't want to. We were presenting ourselves as slaves sold under sin, and and I describe what that looks like. It's, 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 It's those that say, I just can't help it. I don't want to do this. But I don't, what are you saying? You're saying that you're a slave under that sin. You can't help it. You say, I'm not there. I don't know how to love. I don't know how to forgive. I'm trying. When you say I'm trying, there's an acknowledgement that you're still under that and you're trying to get over that. And Paul gives this wonderful revelation. He says, there's a different way of doing this. This whole new covenant thing, this whole Jesus thing that we're talking about here. He says, it takes you out of a slavery to sin. And he said, it makes you a slave to righteousness that gives you fruit unto holiness. You become, you're a slave either way, but something else rules over you. It, it takes to rule. And he says, so therefore, don't present yourselves as slaves under sin. Because, since you've received this new covenant, because of this new and living way, he says, so now present yourself as a slave of righteousness. Instead of saying, I want to forgive this person, but I can't help it. You say, they don't deserve my forgiveness, but I just can't help it anyway. <laughs> I know they did wrong, but I can't help it. I know they're unlovable, but I can't help it. <laughs> because you're a slave of righteousness now. And so, at the end of Romans 6, just to kind of tie it together, because I really want to study Romans 7 as best we can with the time we have. um, Verse 19, he said, I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh, because just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness that led to more lawlessness, and that's why the best of the Pharisees, no matter how hard they tried, they just kept blowing it year after year and had to offer sacrifices. It just led to more lawlessness year after year. It never did what they wanted it to do and never did what they thought it promised to do. It never did what it promised us when we were Adam and Eve in the garden. It didn't do. It promised us that we would make us like God. It promised us that we would be wise but what did Paul say right here in the same book in chapter 1? He said, professing ourselves to be wise, we became fools. And we died. And he says, so now present yourselves, your members, as slaves of righteousness unto holiness. Wow, what a shift in mindset. What a shift in mindset instead of saying, I can't help but talk like this. I can't help but act like this. I can't help but give in to this habit that's hurting me. Why not look at the new covenant? Enjoy the view. Look at what we have here and look. And what he's going to show us here is there, this is a reality. It's not just a matter of positive thinking or talking yourself into believing something. He's going to show us why this is real and why you can believe it and why you can see it. And I believe if I do a, a decent job of this, you can see. I mean, it'll, it'll, it'll change everything. It'll change your view, your perspective on this, and you'll start to live with fruit unto holiness that you just can't help. Verse verse 20, because when you were slaves of sin, I can't help it. When you were slaves of sin, then you were free in regard to righteousness. In other words, you didn't really have to live up to anything. (laughs) You didn't have nothing else to live up to. It's like, we're just all sinners. All we can do is try, try our best. That's all God wants. Where does it say that? It doesn't say that anywhere in the Bible. All God wants you to do is try your best. (laughs) In fact, trying our best was what they had all this time that left them miserable. He says, so when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. So what fruit did you have then in the things of which you're now ashamed? Now, this is Paul writing this (laughs) that did it to the utmost. (laughs) And he says, come on, I know what I'm talking about. And those of you who were like me, he says, What fruit did we have here? What did it really do for us? What fruit did it have in the things that we're now ashamed? It caused me and you, he says, to do things that we are still that we were ashamed of, even though we didn't want to do it. He says, Because the end of those things is death. But now, somebody say, now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God. How do you live so godly? I can't help it. (laughs) How come you don't have those bondages and habits anymore? Because I can't help it. (laughs) I'm not a slave of that anymore. I'm a slave of something else. I'm a slave of life. I'm a slave of righteousness. A slave of holiness. It just, it it tells me what to do and I just obey it because it's, it's more powerful than I am. Whereas I once used to live where sin was more powerful than me and I fought it with all of my might and with all of my will and it still brought me into captivity. Every single time because of the weakness of my ability, my flesh. And in fact, if you read the first part of this chapter, and I can't read everything all the time because of time's sake, but the first part of it, he tells us, he says, he gives us the picture, he says, you know, when a woman is married to a man and the man dies, she's free to marry another. She's not an adulteress. She's free to marry somebody else. So, the law died in the body of Christ. So now you're free from that. Now you're free to marry another, him that was raised in newness of life. So consider that whole thing dead. You don't have to, you're not being unfaithful to the law of God by marrying the king of righteousness. Are y'all it? See, people have this thing. They say, yeah, now that we're a Christian, but we still have to do that. He said, no, no, no. See, they're still trying to be faithful to the old husband when they're free from that now. They ha- Under no obligation to the old husband, they are free to give themselves completely to the, the one they're married to now. Are y'all here? Okay. Verse 20, 22. But now being set free from sin, you become slaves of God, and your fruit is unto holiness. And in the end, everlasting life. This is, this is how it works. This is how it works, by seeing what we're going to look at today. Oh, Father, help us to see. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Don't miss those two words. Notice he said, the wages of sin. Something you work for brings death. (laughs) But the gift, the gift is eternal life. You're not working for this. You have fruit unto holiness, and it's a gift. Now, let's get into chapter 7. I'm excited about this. Okay. And uh, let's just go ahead and start down in verse 5. Now, when we were in the flesh, he says, when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions, the sinful passions, those things we try to resist, we're told to resist, put them down, that, that, that black dog that we want the white dog to beat. By the way, I don't subscribe to that idea because that's the knowledge of good and evil, those two dogs. We're free from that. We're free from those two dogs fighting, praise God. When we were in the flesh, the sinful passions that were aroused by the law, it was at work, it was working in our members. And it bore fruit unto death. But now, somebody say now, we've been delivered from the law, having died to that which we were held by, so that we can serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. When we were in the flesh, it just didn't matter. Now, the flesh, let's let's look at this because you're going to see a good picture of this reference we look at all the time. It goes back to the Garden of Eden, and Paul will give such a good description of this. But in God, without the knowledge of good and evil, we're in the Spirit. When we took the knowledge of good and evil or chose that knowledge of good and evil freely... We got into the flesh. Remember, that thing, that thing enticed us, deceived us. It, it looked like it would make us like God. So we get it. Did we start acting like God? What do we do? We start, first thing we do, did you eat of that tree? No, Eve. <laughs> Does God do that? <laughs> he said, you're going to be like God. Next thing you know, we're blaming somebody else. Next thing you know, we're afraid. Is God like that? <laughs> We weren't afraid before. Next thing you know, we're ashamed. Is God ashamed? (laughs) We weren't like that before. Not until we got into the flesh. You don't have any of those fruits of death unless we walk in the flesh. So God's given us the Spirit so we can walk in the Spirit as as the New Testament adjures us to do. And he says, and it has fruit. It has fruit unto eternal life. It just it, it it happens. It manifests. The sin just happened. It had fruit. The, that, that knowledge of good and evil. That law. That walking in the flesh. That that carnality. And carnality doesn't mean just being that you go and try to sin. Carnality includes trying not to sin, <laughs> with your will, your flesh, your ability. And, and 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 it had fruit. You weren't trying to produce it. You were trying to be good. You were trying to do right. You were trying to live godly. But it just, this fruit just kept coming up. Sinful fruit just kept happening no matter how hard you tried. Because that's the kind of tree it was. And it's just going to happen no matter what you do. You can't stop that tree from producing. That tree is going to produce its fruit. You'll know that tree because of the fruit. So there's this other tree called the tree of life we're talking about. And it's got fruit. And even though you're foolish, and even though you're weak, and even though your willpower is not that great, and even though you don't know everything, and even though you can do the most stupid things, there's still this fruit that just keeps coming up. You start getting more godly. You start getting more, more loving. You start giving more, getting more... Faith, you start getting all the things of the fruit of the spirit. You start becoming more patient. You start having more self-control because this fruit just keeps coming in spite of your weakness. Do you see the polar opposites and how they work here? He says, verse seven. So, what shall we say? I love that he addresses this twice in this letter. What shall we say? Is the law sin? Because they're saying, well, Paul, you're acting like that whole thing, like, like keeping the law itself is sin. He said, no, certainly not. On the contrary. And listen, look at this. He says, I would not have known sin <laughs> except through the law. For I would not have known covenants unless the law had said, you shall not covet. But sin, the law was not sin, but sin took opportunity by the law. Sin itself, sin itself used the commandment. And, it, and the sin produced in me all kinds of evil desire using the commandment, which was a good commandment. Do, do this. This is good. Do these things and you'll get blessed. True. Do these other things and it'll be bad for you. True. <laughs> in fact, in the very beginning, we can see that operation. Here they are in the garden, naked and ashamed. God, and God tells them, and He told them the truth. He told them the truth. He said, don't go that way. Don't get the knowledge of good news. Don't go after that tree. Because if you do, you'll die. That was true. I, I, I talk to people and they talk about, well, love always, love always it, it warns people and all that. It, it, it does. I mean, he gave them a warning. But look what he said here. He says, I didn't even know coveting until the law said, thou shalt not do it. And then it aroused this thing in me. And God says, "Thou shalt not eat of that tree of knowledge of good and evil." You now, I'd love to spend time and get into all the biological act, brain activity and all that, but goes on. But, but it's it's proven scientifically that your brain was not has not wired is not created does not have a capacity to not do anything. It does not respond well. It doesn't understand. It doesn't compute. When you say do not do something, it doesn't know how to not. It knows how to do things. It can learn to do things, but it doesn't know how to not do something. I use the example if you're on a golf course and there's water over here on the right and you're telling yourself, don't hit it in the water, don't hit it in the water. Your brain doesn't know how to make the body not hit it in the water. (laughs) In fact, what it hears is water. (laughs) Why is it that if I set a 12-inch wide plank on the floor here, and I say, let's see who can walk on it without falling off of it, probably every one, single one of us can do it real easy, because all you're trying to do is just walk on that board. But if you raise that thing 20 feet and say, now let's all walk on it, now you're not trying to walk on the board, now you're trying to not fall. And that's where people fall. People aren't going to fall, fall off the board when it's down here. They'll fall when it's up there because they're trying not to fall. And your brain doesn't know how to do that. When you, so, so the law that says don't sin, this is why, people, this is why Christians struggle. This is why Christians they have the best intentions. And they're trying to not sin. They're trying to not hate. They're trying to not die. They're trying to not be sick. They're trying to not, they're trying to, to, to not all these things. And they're fighting these things. And you don't win it by fighting it. Because you'll always end up losing because of, he said, the weakness of your flesh. You won't find the ability to do what you're trying to do. That's why it's called rest in the spirit. Okay. So he says, Verse 8, but sin that took opportunity by the commandment, it produced in me all kinds of evil desire because apart from the law, sin was dead. But when the commandment came, there again, you can look at it all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And then the law that came after it was just patterned after that same thing. It was a man's commandment. It was fleshly. Even though it was right, it was true. He said, But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. When did man die, historically? When we ate of that knowledge of good and evil. God said we would if we did, and we did. We died. When did when when did when 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 did that that death come? He says after the commandment came. What was the commandment? Don't eat of it. <laughs> after the commandment came, what happened? Sin revived. All of a sudden, like maybe I do want to eat of it. <laughs> hmm. And he says, watch this. He says. And the commandment, which was to bring life, the commandment was, was to keep them from dying. The commandment was to keep them alive. It was meant to bring life. But I found it. It brought death to me. Isn't that exactly what we did in the Garden of Eden? It was a warning against death. This is life. That's death. Don't do that one. But it produced. It produced Death in me, and he said, he said, and I found it to bring death because, how did it work? Verse 11, because sin took occasion by that commandment, and it deceived me. Why did they eat of that tree? Deception, right? The serpent deceived Eve. It deceived me. The commandment, sin, excuse me, sin, using that commandment, using the commandment, using the commandment, deceived me, and it killed me. Therefore, the law is holy. It's right. The commandment is holy and just and good. There was nothing wrong with the commandment. And he says, so then, has that what is good, how does it become death to me? Verse 13. Has that which is good become death to me? Certainly not. Is it the really, is it, was it rather really the commandment that killed me? No, it was something that used the commandment. He said, it was certainly not. But sin that it might appear sin was producing death in me through that which was good, through the commandment. See, the knowledge of good and evil is a a real knowledge. There is the knowledge of good, and it's good. And a lot of it can be very good. And there's also the knowledge of evil that can be very evil. Both of them are there. This one is the good stuff. This one is the bad stuff. We all know that. There's right and wrong. There's good and evil. Those that do good shall eat by the fruit of it. I mean, it's all over the Bible. So everybody wants to do good, but he says, but I just kept blowing it no matter what because I found myself, I was presenting myself as a slave to it. He says, that sin was producing death in me through that which was good so that sin through the commandment would become exceedingly sinful. Perpetuated, multiplied. For we know that the law is spiritual. But I'm carnal. It's me that's carnal. That's why the law didn't work for us. I'm carnal. I am sold under sin. Because what I'm doing, I don't understand. Because what I want to do, I'm not practicing. And what I hate... That's what I'm doing. And I can't tell you how many Christians have told me I feel like that's me. Christians. Christians. And Paul is talking about his whole condition before he knew Jesus. This is what was working in me. And he says, I'm trying to explain to you this new thing about Jesus now, how it works, he says. (laughs) Paul's not saying, now that I'm a Christian, I'm struggling with this every day. Now that I'm a Christian... I got these two dogs fighting in me and I just, the black dog keeps beating the white dog all the time. That's not what he's saying. He's saying in that law and when I was in the flesh, that's how that worked. Are y'all hearing this? Okay. He says, because I want to do, I don't practice, but what I hate, that's what I do. Well, then why do Christians live like that? Because they don't see this. They don't know this. They think they're still like that. They think they're still married to that. They think they're still a slave under sin. They think even though the blood of Jesus has cleansed them from all sin, even though there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus, even though the Bible tells them and declares that he's made you holy now. Hmm? But you don't think you're holy. You think you are still trying to be holy. I mean, it it gets so subtle at times. People will tell me when I talk to them about this, they're like, yeah, I agree with all that, but... We still have a responsibility to try to... And I'm like, oh, I know it sounds so good. (laughs) It's deception. The serpent still talking. It sounds so good. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of it is death. Because to say that you still have to try to be is an acknowledgement that You're not. Verse 16. So then, if I'm doing what I don't want to do, then I'm agreeing with the word or the law that it's good. In other words, I want to do the good. So I'm not saying it's bad. It is good. I want to do it because it's good. So I'm agreeing with it. Remember, I told you my experience of, you know, where God showed me, and you know, and I and I realized when I was praying in that hotel room that. That man of sin, that that one that was that slave of sin, that just the that, that 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 quote part of me that just seemed like it just fought against God and seemed like it just it was it was the sinner part of me. And, and I looked at that and I realized that wasn't me. Here I am. The reason, I'm, the reason I've been praying for three days is not because I want to do sin, I want to do good. And I'm separate from that, and I don't need that other thing to be a whole person i'm complete in him that's not me and that's what paul's getting at here in romans 7 he says if then i uh, verse 17 but now watch this he said it's no longer i that do it but it's that sin that dwells in me what's he doing he says if i'm acknowledging that i want to do good he said then i it's not me it's not it's not my operation it's not my will. i'm wanting to do good i'm not wanting to do bad I'm not wanting to be ungodly. I'm not wanting to be unloving. I'm not wanting to be sinful. I'm not wanting to be bound to habits. I'm acknowledging that I'm wanting to serve God, that I have this. But it's this sin that dwells in me. And that sin has a perfect environment when you give it the knowledge of good and evil or the law. Because it will just keep magnifying. And you can live, even as a Christian, if you don't know this truth and you still think that you're married to that. You still think that you're a slave of sin trying trying to get free. I don't like that terminology anymore. Christians trying to get free. Read the truth, Jesus said, know the truth and you'll be free. Because when you say, I'm trying to get free, it means you're locked up as a slave. And he says, You're not a slave of sin and death anymore. But if you present yourself as a slave, then you will have to continue to obey it. But if you will present yourself as a slave of righteousness, you will have to, it'll happen. You just will have to obey it. And you'll look around and you say, Wow, how did all this happen? Fruit. It was fruit. Am I making any sense to anybody? Okay. He says, verse 20. Now, if I do what I don't want to do, then it's no longer I that do it, but it's sin that dwells in me. I used to hate that verse. I thought, I can't receive that, God. If I say it's not me, if I sin and I say it's not really me doing it, it's just sin dwelling in me, that's, that's, that's a cop-out. That's not being responsible. But later on, when he showed me that, I understood. Oh, wait a minute! I am a new creation. I have the will. <laughs> I want to do right. I I I, I want to be pleasing. I want to sh- I want to be an example to the world. I want all of these things. When I talk about the change in my Christianity after two decades of thinking I was still married to that old man, still trying to be faithful to a man that had died. And when I found out this truth, when I found out that I'm complete in Him, God loves me now, I have everything that I need in Him, and it's not about me anymore, it's all about the sacrifice of Jesus, His death, burial, and His resurrection and ascension, and put it all upon my husband, my new, this new man, the one who raised me from the dead, I could present myself, like Paul said in chapter 6, as those who are already alive from the dead. And I'm not in bondage to that law of sin and death anymore. So I'm not trying to get free from death. We're acknowledging the life. And it's not a mental game, because that'll drive you crazy. It's seeing something. It's the view. Looking at the truth. He says, verse 21. I find then a law that in this law, which is, he said... It's good. But I find in this law that evil is always present with me. And I'm the one that wants to do good. I'm wanting to do good, but why do I have this black dog fighting me all the time? (laughs) Because I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. I want it. I like it. I'm trying, he would say. But I see this other law, this other thing in my members is it's warring against the law of my mind, which is your, your it's, it's your it's, that, that word is your soul, actually, your, your emotions your will, your intellect. It's warring against what I want to do, my will, and it brings me into captivity to the law of sin that's in my members. <laughs> If you can put closure to that old husband of sin and death that you once were married to, clean his bedroom out, and let your now husband be at home with you, And don't feel like you're unfaithful to the other just because you're faithful to this one. This is a dilemma that Christians have. They're like, yeah, this, but we still need that. And I'm like, no, Paul was so clear. He says, you don't have to be faithful to that anymore. <laughs> you're not an adulteress <laughs> anymore if, if, you're, unfaith- if you're, you're not unfaithful. <laughs> In fact, you're faithful to this one. He says, Verse 23, but I see this other law in my members. It's warring against the law of my mind, and it brings me into captivity to the law of sin that's there. Oh, wretched or miserable man that I am. Why? Because I want to do right. (laughs) I'm trying to stop this. I want to do it right. Help me. I want to see it. I want to love. I want to know God. I want, I want, I want. Oh, miserable man, who's going to deliver me? (laughs) from this frustration of vanity, this spotty of death. I thank God by Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then, with the mind or the will, I myself serve the law of God. But with the flesh, the law of sin. In other words, by me trying to do the good of the law, I will end up still serving. And I do and I have served the law of sin. It doesn't get you there. But something else has gotten you there. And that's why he goes into the beautiful chapter. It just flows right into this other the the rest of this statement. It shouldn't even have a division there. I thank God. Who's going to deliver me from this? You see what a struggle we see in chapter seven. I want to do right. I want to be good. See, and it's because of this is why Christians, I hear you know, are just like, oh, you want to help? And they're like, I know, Rick. I know I should be like that, but. Maybe someday or I'm, you know, I'll get there. And, I, and it's a good motive, I guess. But, it's, but you're, you're presenting yourself as a slave. And trying to get there, no matter how good your intentions, it's because, because you're presenting yourself as a slave. You're never, you can't ever get out of it yourself. It's too strong for you. It was too strong for the greatest of them. It was too strong for Saul of Tarsus. It was too strong for all the, the most godly men we see in the Old Testament. It was too strong for every single one of them, except God becoming man himself. was the only one that didn't have to offer a sacrifice for himself, the only one. and he offered himself the sacrifice. the final sacrifice. there is no other sacrifice for sin. it's done. So he says, who's going to deliver me from this? I thank God by Jesus Christ our Lord. There is therefore now, there's no condemnation. Yes. But Rick, I still blow up, but there's no condemnation. Yeah, but Rick, I'm still, I, I, I still do that. Who told you that? Remember God said that? Who told you that? Are you eating from that knowledge of good and evil? Is that who told you that? Because that's the only one that's going to tell you that. <laughs> It's the knowledge of good and evil that tells you you're not there. The knowledge of good and evil tells you you you're, you're not you're, you don't have have enough yet. The knowledge of good and evil says you need to be better. The knowledge of good and evil says you're not strong enough. The knowledge of good and evil says you don't have enough faith. Knowledge of evil will tell you all kinds of things that you that need that will cause shame in you. It'll cause fear in you. It's called the ministry of condemnation. It's called the ministry of death, and it brought both very clearly. And it's also called the law of sin and death. Even though it was a good law, it produced nothing good in us because of our flesh. So in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, why is this important? Because without the condemnation, you don't even have to acknowledge any of that stuff anymore. You can acknowledge righteousness. Philemon verse 6 says that our faith becomes effective by the acknowledging of every good thing that's in us, not where we're missing it. So we look at him and when we look at him, we don't see any condemnation. Talking to people and like, yeah, but see, but Rick, it's obvious that, you know, you still need to grow here. Yeah, I need to grow in a lot of areas. And that's that's exciting. And I'll do it every day without any condemnation and without presenting myself as a slave to it. I'll present myself as a slave of righteousness and just continue to watch the fruit. Because it's delicious and it's beautiful. Stand up, guys.